Welcome to PTBC Podcast, where we will be speaking about innovation, technology, growing your business, and maximizing your entrepreneurial potential. Let's get down to business. All right, team. Welcome to another unfiltered session here. So I know uh, I know we were chatting a little offline here about some of the things that like you guys were you're thinking about a little bit. Slav, I'll let you. I'll let you dive in here. I know you had a really good topic in mind. Well, for sure. Um, every day that I step into the clinic, um, literally the one thing that I always think about is the lifetime value of patients because um, every day patients come to me and uh, I ask them about their experience in physio and how has it been before? Why are you here? Why now? And uh, a lot of them say that a lot of the physios just hook themselves up hook the patients up to the machines and kind of leave the room, not a lot of connections. Then there's a lot of unclarity with the exercises. And um, the thing to me is I, I always wonder why that happens, right? Have you guys ever wondered that as well? Yeah, so, totally not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a question, right? <laughs> this is a long pause. Um, thing is, I'm wondering why are we not doing better for our patients as a collective, right? There's obviously in every industry, there's good apples, there's bad apples, and uh, we try to uh, represent the industry as well as possible. But the thing is, if we do an amazing job every single visit, we'll be able to um, dive into the, the concept of the lifetime value of a patient, right? So it's not just that patient seeing you for a certain amount of visits, completing the treatment plan and graduating. It's also them referring into uh, their friends, them referring into their family. And I was thinking about the best patients that I have uh, who have referred tons of people over and their lifetime value is absolutely off the charts, right? Um, And it's just crazy when you do a good job, how amazing things can happen and plus great reputation for physiotherapy professionals as well. And it's just like that concept blows my mind every single day. So what do you guys think about it? Yeah, no, I agree. I think, um, I think there's a, you know, just going back to your point, like, you know, why people like treat this the way they treat, I think there's, you know, there's a lot of the factors that affect it, right? As we kind of move into newer research, I guess, newer evidence and, and understanding more about patient care and understanding everything around it a little bit better. I think we're in a really good position to bring forth some of those new strategies to try to have the best possible uh, experience for any individual that comes into the clinic. Um, And, you know, it could be just how things were quote unquote, this is how they're done. Right. So I think, you know, it takes some time to break out of that status quo kind of cycle um, to move into a kind of a new realm of things, um, you know, where we're treating a little bit differently we're talking a little bit differently even yeah like i've had patients who said yeah i went to physio like 20 years ago but it was very different naturally i'm hoping that it would be different because i'm hoping that we're all evolving and not kind of stay exactly what we were doing 20 years ago um so that's a good sign for sure i don't know like i don't know like other than that I, i'm not sure if there's anything else that like i'm sure there are but i just can't think of it right now at least but um but yeah no i agree with in terms of like the way that you're working with your patients is is really important for the future of the uh, future like stability of your entire uh, caseload as well. The retention is is an important piece of the puzzle, 
but also the retention actually will reflect how that patient perceives the value that you're bringing as well. Because most people will come back if they actually have this perception of value. And if they have that perception of value, they'll keep coming back, they'll refer their friends, they'll bring in, the ultimate compliment, we know this, is if they bring in their parent or their kid and, or their like sibling or family member, they bring them in and say, hey, go see Slava. You know, he has, uh, he's really good. He helped me fix my shoulder, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So definitely something that <clears throat> is gonna be important, like you mentioned it offline a little bit. You know, I think you mentioned a little bit about how during the pandemic, because you, you were able to actually build a strong relationship with your caseload, they were the ones that were also coming back to you even during the pandemic. So things were, and that, and that was actually a really important piece. And I think we talked about this a little bit on one of our previous uh, podcasts, but you know, this is definitely the time if that didn't go well for anyone previous to like this, this COVID situation, this is the time to really work on that to make sure that you know, you develop those good relationships for long term, not just for another wave, but just for long term. And like you said, the lifetime value of that patient will triple because if they bring another family, uh, if they bring a friend, etc. So that'll just keep going up. But the value that they perceive also goes up because now you're treating the family and you help them too. They just see you, they actually see an added value as well. Now, I'm curious as to uh, going back to Slava, your point earlier about the lifetime clients, do you guys find with these particular clients, do you, um, do you find that you have a different type of relationship with them or you guys have some type of common interest or um, what Nick Lowe says, shared value? Well, in terms of uh, there's definitely with those patients, uh, you build stronger bonds because you just tend to see them on a slightly um, longer basis right you tend to find out who they are as a person click you find out their purpose right and see if uh your values align as well right and typically with those type of patients you're a really good fit right because i feel like physio goes well beyond just again uh p roaming a roaming right <laughs> all of the exercises that we do it's uh it's a human connection first and foremost right and uh justin sarush and uh, veronica you always address that uh, with your patients as well. And uh, when you build that connection, things just click into place, right? It's easier to weather the setbacks, it's easier to celebrate the wins, right? So you, I, I definitely believe that there's uh, some kind of an excellent connection there. I think it's also like the change, cause you were saying how like 20 years ago it was very different. Like. <laughs> I think with education, that takes so long to transfer over. Like, I think up until recently, that was like a big part of the curriculums was, you know, this is how you treat modalities are really important. And like, now it's kind of like, well, we have to teach you this because you have to know how to use it and how to be safe with it. But that's not like, there's not the good evidence for it. So I just think those things take so long to transfer over. So now new physios are coming out knowing that that's not what patients are really looking for, but I think that just takes a really long time. Totally, totally. I agree. And to add on to both your points, I think for me, um, how I look at like lifetime clients is like they're your walking brand ambassadors. So, you know, when they're not in a clinic, they are the ones that are representing your brand. 
are the ones that they're going to be referring their friends or family through, uh, sorry, through to your point before, like on episode two or three with Daryl, um, you know, you want to be able to treat the, the, the whole, um, the three generations, right? And to me, I've always, those clients that I, I see that are, that are the ones that are referring, that are, those are the ones that are giving, you know, the, the solid Google reviews. They're the ones that I've been able to connect with uh, on a more personal level. And that's more than just therapy. You know, we're, you know, I know with, I don't want to go too much into the guys, but to me, it's always, yeah, we're, we're, I'm, a, I'm your therapist, but, you know, you can reach out uh, for, to me for anything, you know, like we can talk about food, we can talk about fitness, we can talk about uh, anything else that, um, that we bond over. And I think that to me, it's like when you build out like shit like that, it's, it becomes, like I said, more than just, you know, the, oh, the rehab, the injury itself. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, the main thing is that uh, when you communicate and show that care, even with uh, kind of the body language, right, with everything that you have, people feel that you care as well, right? Um, because when you're fully invested into your patient's goals, it becomes just like a journey that you're on together, right? And when you go through ups and downs and the setbacks and the rises, you always grow stronger together, right? It's yeah. uh, it's foundational to any human relationship, right? To your friends, to your uh, loved ones. It's always been like that. So with the patients, it's no different. But when they feel that you care, they're more drawn to you, right? Because yeah. they know you're on board versus it could also go the other way, right? Where that care is not communicated and uh, in any way, shape or form. And the results might not be, will not be as good as uh, they should. Yeah. And, and to give a personal example of, uh, for that, like recently I, I had a client that came in and he had Achilles injury and his goal, we, we determined it from the beginning was he wanted to play, uh, get back into playing basketball. Uh, basketball was something that he grew up with and he, he loved doing that. And he actually wanted to make a career change into going into something that's basketball related. So uh, we were chatting and he was like, oh, I really want to get into community stuff related to, to youth basketball. And um, knowing that I have a lot of connections in the basketball community from, from the, some of the clinics that I work at. And for me, it was like, yes, we're, I'm, I'm going to be taking care of you in terms of the therapy, but you know, I want to be able to, to help as much as I can outside of that as well. So I was like, hey, like, let me reach out to my buddy Right. He, he can help connect you with other, other people that might be able to give you, uh, uh, give you an in with a certain job. And I connected with him. I, I connected them together. And, you know, he was really grateful for that. And I think that just goes to show that, you know, if you're going to go above and beyond with, with a client, they'll, they'll see that. And, you know, with him, he booked in like the rest of the sessions with me. So I'm, I, and I have no, I'm, I'm, I'm very confident that, you know, we're going to get his outcomes that he, he came in for. And then he's going to be able to, you know, be able to rep my brand as a physio and also, you know, share a positive uh, review. So Justin, how did that make you feel? Like you uh, knowing that you were able to actually like impact their lives outside of what you typically do. Like for me, it's, again, it's always more than just therapy. Um, you know, I want, I, with every client that I see, I always, try to go above and beyond and it makes me feel good because I'm able to provide more value in another aspect of our life, not, but not just therapy. And I know for him, it's, that's really important. 
And for me, it's like if someone took that um, extra step to help me, I would be really, really grateful. So I try to put that positive energy. I try to add that value and try to give towards all my clients because I know that, you know, they're going to be really grateful for it. And, you know, like I said, it's like you're trying to build lifetime clients. And for me, it's I, I, I want to um, in terms of like going into the future, I have realized that I, I love treating but I want to be, I want to treat like a specific, my specific tribe. So right now I'm just trying to, 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 I'm trying to outline what my tribe is so that let's say 10, 15 years down the road, like I'm only treating people with my tribe. So Slava for you, it might be like soccer players that um, like Russian soccer players or, you know, for of you. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like people that you just vibe with that you just enjoy being with that just give you energy. And I think right now, as, as you know, we're two years out, Veronica, you're going to be uh, starting practice. You know, we're treating everyone. But for me, it's like I want to get to a point where, like, the people I treat are the people that I buy with most. So I'm just trying to, um, you know, sure. determine that. Well, you're hitting on an awesome point uh, about your tribe because that's literally what Jerry Durham preaches every, <laughs> to every single clinic is that you have patients that are right for you and you have patients that are not right for you, right? Whereas most of the clinics, they tend to just bring everybody and come on down, we'll, <laughs> we'll treat anything. <laughs> but um, I actually uh, never thought about it specifically in those terms, but that's a fantastic point. Um, being able to create those connections on a deeper level, right? And you increase the chances highly of a person who's in your tribe uh, coming in and sharing that awesome experience with you, right? And then uh, it, be, it reflects better on you. It reflects better on your practice. It reflects better on the patients. It reflects better on the profession as a whole, right? Because uh, movement PTs are opening their clinic and people who talk about making a difference in the physiotherapy profession, doing it one patient at a time is extremely powerful. If we reach a critical mass of those people, we're definitely going to take the profession positive direction right from the grassroots, right? Right from every single clinic on. And I think that's really powerful. Yeah. What you guys both kind of just chat about it. These are again, strong points in the retention like uh, cycle as well, right? How you guys even conceptualize this, um, this patient population of yours uh, is an important is an important way to also conceptualize it, right? If you're thinking about it like that, Justin, like think about like these are my people. Like I'm I'm training them, I'm helping them get better. I'm doing more than just like the hands-on stuff, right? I'm giving them, uh, I'm helping level them up every single time to a better like health status, better whatever it is in their life, right? So uh, I'm I'm also curious about uh, you, Veronica, in school now that you've kind of wrapped up almost um, school here what are some of the things you've seen either your clinicians you worked with or you've been kind of doing yourself that helped with that kind of retention side of things what are some of the strategies um, that you use specifically yeah um i think just coming off a of placement with um amberly in uh, grimsby there i always thought that was like really interesting because she would have patients come from like over 45 minutes away, like twice a week to come see her. And that was just really impressive to me because she had like moved clinics, but like people were still coming because they really liked her brand and her personality. And like, they just really felt comfortable with her. And I think that's like 
really stood out to me that you can do a lot more than just trying to like market yourself in your area. Like if people really believe in you and really think that they're getting the best care from you and that you really care, then they're really going to buy in and drive like out of their way to come visit you. And I think that's like really important. And I think just coming into like graduation and looking for a job, that's something that I'm looking for too. Like I don't want to find a clinic where I can't be myself or I can't see like the patients that I think I'd be most comfortable with because I think if I'm in a clinic where the people that I work with have very similar like personalities or goals to me and the patients that I'm seeing are what like who I think I can like connect with then I think I'm going to be a better practitioner and the patients that I see are going to have better outcomes for sure you're hitting on that Veronica, you're hitting on an amazing point too, because um, if you're consistently burning out, if you're not enjoying where you're working, right, it's going to be difficult for you to create the connection and to form your tribe of people as well, right? For sure. um, so, unfortunately, within the way the physio business is set up, the rehab businesses, the a lot of things revolve around the practitioner, right? And <laughs> that's why the industry trends are going with the way that there's been a consistent rise in salaries uh, with uh, being paid to the practitioners because they're the ones who drive the practice within the right system, right? So that's how <laughs> incrementally they've been climbing up, climbing up. At some points, they're not even sustainable, right? Some clinic owners are not making uh, a lot of money off of their practitioners and it's just uh, the way it is, unfortunately. But what, you have to take care of yourself 100%. And... Uh, because that whole patient caseload and the ability to unlock the lifetime patient value from each person sustain uh, resides with that specific practitioner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and, and shout out to uh, the Waterview Physio and Amberly there mm -hmm. and Daryl. Um, but uh, yeah, you did touch on a, another good point there, uh, Veronica, that kind of underlies what you guys all are talking about, right? Is, okay. is you guys are talking about this, you know, becoming super loyal to your patients and to your individuals and in return, they'll be loyal to you. And like what you're saying, Justin is, is they become your brand ambassador, right? They become loyal to your brand. Like, yo, you got to go see my guy, Justin. Like he, he's, he has the best posterior glide. No, I'm just kidding. They probably won't say that, but, but they will the say. Best, the best hit guy. traction, the best hit traction. <laughs> he makes the best sushi by hand with the blowtorch. <laughs> They'll give you fire cooking tips. But no, but that's, you know, it's, it's funny you say that, but those are like the little things that actually they'll remember. It's like, oh man, like, you know, Justin gave me this like awesome tip to do this, like, cook, like this, like dish I wanted to make. It, it sounds like, you know, like, okay, oh, like what, what is this? But like, you, that actually does make an impact because 100%, like, 100%. like we chatted about like you know you're giving them more value than the actual physio side of things right like you know i've like i've done like things like that all the time with patients with patients kids like um you know we we like have fun we like we joke around and th those kind of things again are huge for the patient um patient experience right like and and like you said like we i know there was one on even on our um uh in last last six months or, or so there was one i remember one specific person we graduated um she was uh she was one of uh my patient and our, our patient 
And uh, we put on like the vitamin C song, we made a satchel and wrote graduation out of TheraBand. And like, we had a little trophy, <laughs> we did a little ceremony. And like, those little things like, you know, go a long way, right? And so it's, um, so just what you get, those little things that you guys are talking about, like go a long way, right? Like the, yeah. they definitely help with, with the people side of things, right? Like, oh, well, this guy cares about me as a person. And they'll definitely be able to kind of pick that up very quickly right mm -hmm. it's, it's crazy that you know uh, I've had sometimes patients say wow like this is the best physio I've had and this is not tooting my own horn anyway it's because like I honestly don't do I don't think I do anything special right I just literally do what I do typically a normal physio you would imagine to do what you guys do right but I think that sometimes the messaging gets lost with um, other practitioners where it becomes very transactional and the patient feels like, you know, they're just there to get physio and then that's it. Right. But that's not, that's not the whole like story. And mm -hmm. those people are the ones that will, will like stay loyal to you. I even, when I, when I was gone for, for a week, I was like, please go see our other physio to continue your care. She was like, no, I have to wait for you to come back. <laughs> I was like, no, please. Like, you know, I want to make sure you get your care. I was like, nope. I'm, not, I'm like, okay, <laughs> like I'm not going to force her, but, but you know, I did because of continuity of care, I want to make sure she gets something right. But, yeah. um, but anyways, like that's how you, those are the people that really create that strong brown, uh, brand around you. Um, and so if you, if you think back to kind of one of our previous conversations again, is you're building that community around you as well and the clinic, like yeah. it's, it's two sided in that. Right. So the, the clinic becomes a part of um, of you, and you become part of the clinic. And both uh, both entities there create such a strong community. And again, that feeds back into the goodwill of the whole practice, right? Yeah. So yeah. definitely some so, some good things that you guys talked about. No, I, I love how you, how you talked about the whole thing about graduation, like rehab and recovering from injuries, and is inherently it's not fun, right? People don't aren't excited to come like, oh, I don't, I'm going to see my physiotherapist. Oh, I'm going to be going to see, see my chiropractor. And so for me, um, and I always talk with my team about this, is like, how can we make that experience the most enjoyable um, it can be? How, how can we make it the most fun that we can be? And how can we make it so that people actually enjoy coming in to see, you know, see you, Saroosh, right? You know, I, I'm going to be, I'm going to come in to see like, you know, Princess Persia today, <laughs> you know? <laughs> It's like, it's, to me, it's like, you know, these small little things that we do, right? What you mentioned before with the graduation, these are small things that we can do, but make a huge impact on people's lives. And to me, it's the emotions that create memories. And that little thing that you did, Sarish, with the graduation, and like, they'll remember that. That's the last thing that, that they'll probably remember in terms of, you know, the, the whole, like, what you call, like, the, the, the life cycle, even though that life cycle doesn't really end. But it's like the, what they think about when they think about you, Saroosh, or with your clinic is like, oh, shit, you know, they, they pulled out the, the red carpet for me when I graduate. Like, how does that make me feel? I feel like, oh, shit, like this is this is what I want my, my family to feel, my parents to feel, my mom to be able to go to and experience this. And I think to going to what you guys said earlier, um, and I think Nick will talk about this before, is there's a difference between like warm leads and cold leads. And what I mean by that is, Cold leads are the, the leads that you get from, let's say, like off a website, off like marketing, Instagram marketing, right? Where they, they know of your brand, but they're still, they, you still have to build that trust with, with, with them. Whereas warm leads are the referrals that you get from 
let's say your client, Billy, where he's referring his mom to see you, his son to see you. And so just in the sense of dumb being like, yo, Sarush will take care of you. Sarush fixed my shoulder. He got you. Like they already come in with that trust in you. And so you don't need to do all that, like, you know, that trust building because that's already there. So it's so much easier for, the, for you to, you know, build that relationship and get people to buy in. And so I think that's really important because, you know, I think we spend so much time on, or you, a lot of us spend a lot of time on this, like, you know, marketing, Instagram, uh, Google and whatnot. And that's really important, but we also have to think about, okay, well, these, you know, these warm leads, uh, bring in referrals from current clients. I think that's also really important as well. Sure. That whole situation about uh, having fun, uh, creating a fun experience is also um, a generational thing, right? Because these days we're consistently looking for pleasurable, fun experiences, right? And uh, every day has to be like an adventure, right? <laughs> so <laughs> in terms of catering even to the younger clients, right? The millennial generation and uh, even a little bit above that, people do look for that fun experience always like, getting the best out of every single minute of the day, which is a fantastic uh, mindset, right? And if you help create it, then you've succeeded for sure. The only thing that uh, made me think about while you guys were talking is that a fantastic therapist in a poor system will never be able to create that kind of a fun experience, right? Because, mm -hmm. for example, what if when Sarush has the idea to create a graduation, roll out the red carpet, they're like, no, no, no. <laughs> what you have to do is that's see not, three months. That's not how we do it here. It's <laughs> <laughs> also possible, right? Because the pressures on the owners could be there for making money, and that's all they care about, right? Pumping people through the door. They just don't understand that in the long term, their business is not sustainable if the assessments dry up, right? So, and that's been the key for a lot of the struggling practices recently. And uh, that's why we preach retention, 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 right? Um, ethical retention in a way that you help the person, right? But again, a fantastic therapist in a poor system, it could never work. Just like a poor therapist in a fantastic system will likely not work, right? Mm -hmm. So you do have to come at it from both sides. And when that happens, we get the best out of every minute of the day at work as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, actually, that was a really good point. Um, in addition to all the other good points, it's a fire podcast. <laughs> but um, like being in a position that I am too, like I 1000% agree with, with you, Slava. Like if you, as, as an owner, what you do also affects retention, right? The vibe that you create, the culture that you create, um, that will affect retention. We've had a lot of patients come into the clinic and say, you know, the vibe is very different here. You know, it's because they're having fun. It's not very like, you know, coming in and out kind of thing. You know, we joke around. I, like we poke fun of each other, like at each other all the time, right? Uh, you know, Matt and I are, are Cairo, we always like, uh, and, and my business partner, we always like joke around about like Cairo versus physio. And then, um, you know, even with the like dry needling, uh, he always comes back. He's like, I, I don't hear any screaming back here. What's going on? And like, like talking about me, cause he jokes that all our patients are screaming as, as a joke, obviously. But, um, and we just joke around. I come there and I'm like, I don't hear the bed like smacking, you know, the, the drop table. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I didn't hear that at all this, this, this session. Uh, so we just joke around, um, you know, at the clinic. That vibe is really, really important for the patients. The moment they come in, from the moment that the, 
person at the front sees them to the moment they leave. All that has to be also fostered by the people who are the leadership team within the clinic. If that's not, if that, if, and the other thing is, as like people in that leadership, they have to be open to feedback. So if something that therapist is seeing on the ground floor that as an owner, you might not be seeing, you have to be open to that feedback, chat about it, see what kind of things you can put into play to make it even better. Right. Um, But you also develop your own systems that you've seen and tried from before that will help become a very supportive environment for the therapist to be able to be themselves. Right. Um, Because that's important too. every therapist is very different. Everyone treats very differently. So you want to set every individual therapist up for success. And then the therapist needs to set up every individual patient up for success. So it's like, you know, you bring them up and then the patient brings the patient up so that the person at the top is the patient. And then, you know, as the owner, you're bringing the therapist up and the therapist brings the patient up. So Mm -hmm. you have to keep elevating each other to get to that highest level or the apex of like clinical care pretty much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, Veronica, what do you think about all this? Yeah, it like it all makes sense. I think it's like hard not having ever like not having worked. I don't like have that personal experience of like not being able to like do what I want to do. I've had like really good placements where people have always like really supported me with that. But mm-hmm. I do think it's important, and it's definitely one of the things that I'm really looking for in like a new job and all that kind of stuff is how comfortable people are with me kind of doing my own thing, obviously like, well, but like just being able to have like a bit of freedom to treat the people I want to treat in the way that I want to treat. And I think that's like something that I've been like trying to figure out how to like interview and like realize if they are open to that, which I think is kind of challenging. Um, but you can kind of like tell like if you like have ideas and stuff and like run them by people like you can kind of tell right away if they're open to that kind of thing or not so I think that's like one of my main things that I'm looking for right now I'm trying to figure out how to find that out about someone now, now this is a question posed to both uh Sarush, uh and Veronica so Sarush more on the like the leadership side and Veronica more on like the you know therapist side um, but uh, how would you guys, or how would you like to engage in dialogue, um, or what what's the environment you would like to have where you can engage in like engage in dialogue to give this type of feedback towards the the owners? Like, would you like it to be like you know in, on one on one in a in a team type meeting, or what have you found most most beneficial through? Uh, it, it it definitely depends on. The, the the structure that's already been in place so whatever if there's a specific if this you know the way i like to look at it if it's an issue that you're having really that you want to speak one-on-one and you don't have regular one-on-one setup just say like hey i wanted to chat with you and then just give them the topic as well like for example hey, i want to chat with you i had some ideas about like patient retention uh, i definitely don't <laughs> love it if if there's a message like hey uh, can we chat you know it's a very like ominous like you know that text you get I'm breaking up with you talk. through like, uh, <laughs> what does that mean <laughs> when you start overthinking it and I don't, but definitely my big big feedback is you know be these like talk about the topic you don't have to get the specifics but just so they're aware of what the situation is about um but yeah I like honestly as you know someone in a leadership team you should always be open to feedback. There's never a time that you say, no, like we're not open to having a conversation. That, that's a no, no for me. Um, 
but if it, if you do have regular one-on-one setup, just you know, I would just you know have if it unless it's an emergency, then you know just wait until then, come with some thoughts, and then yeah, and then have a open dialogue with the individual, and you know you're working together, right? In a in a situation where you know you're not the owner and you're working within an, uh, another clinic, you want to work together because the purpose for both parties should be to elevate the entire um, uh, experience for the patient. So that means that if, if there's something that both individuals or both parties can do to make it even better, this is definitely, uh, that should be talked about and, and brought up. And if there's a specific idea, you get chat in private and then, you know, the owner will throw it back and say, hey, you know what, let's throw it to the team. Let's see what the team thinks, right? To vet your thoughts um, among other people, right? To see um, what everyone, is everyone else feeling similar or, you know, is there something specific? Maybe there's your specific patient population needs a specific type of thing added, et cetera. So, but from the dialogue perspective, because again, um, you're always kind of conversing about how to make that, uh, the outcomes of the patient even better, then the conversation should definitely happen regularly. And if there's nothing regularly set up, then definitely you, you do have to set something up regularly just to try to make sure that everything's kind of going well, you know, the therapist side, right? So that, that's kind of my perception of just feedback in general. Mm-hmm. The thing is, uh, when you have an opus, oh, opus, <laughs> open and honest, <laughs> <laughs> opus. <laughs> the, thing, the thing that I love about Sarush is uh, he's very direct. So he does goes after people in somehow a very nice way, but they it lets you know that something's off, right? Like goes after a, people. What? That's not what I do. Definitely not. <laughs> the Persian like, well. sort of... <laughs> No, what I mean is uh, not goes after people, but uh, kind of letting them know that something's uh, happening, right? That needs to be fixed. And that's the skill that every leader should have because the way you handle your team, um, even one wrong word could just completely destroy everything, right? Uh, there's an example in hockey about this. Patrick Roar, he was a very famous goaltender in Montreal Canadiens. The coach for one game left him in for nine goals. And the guy, the, when the game finished, the goalie just <laughs> told the president, I'm never playing one more game for the Montreal Canadiens ever again, and got traded. So one single action from the leadership side of things or even from the therapist side of things could ruin a whole fantastic relationship that was previously there, right? Uh, so when you choose words carefully, but let people know directly, that's always the best type of approach. Um, just for sure, yeah, you do have to have a level of honesty for sure. And, and, you know, like you said, open and honest, opest, uh, is definitely super <laughs> important in the clinic. Right. Um, but you have to cultivate that type of culture, right? If, if you don't yeah. cultivate that type of culture, very close, you don't talk to you. And then suddenly you come in and drop a hammer, then it will seem very, like, very, you're going after them, like you were saying, <laughs> but you, it has to be like, it has to be regular, right? Like, that's the only way you can actually cultivate that open, honest conversation, you know, about not only just clinical stuff, but like, what's going on in their personal lives, everything okay, is there anything we can do to support them, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's very important, you have to cultivate that, you know, a lot of people talk about culture, and you know, how to have great culture, but it's sometimes even like the smallest things that could help really elevate the entire atmosphere and the entire culture of the clinic, right? Just small little things, right? So, which creates open, honest conversations. And 
you know, I don't think any leader should ever be afraid of that. Um, you know, even if they have something very set, they should always be open to listening and see what other perspective somebody has. Just like, you know, how we've evolved as therapists over time, there's going to be a point where, you know, another therapist is going to come and they're going to evolve a little bit faster and they're going to have some ideas and things that they want to implement. And, you know, you either have an open dialogue with them, or you work with them and you guys partner together and make, make the relationship even stronger or, you know, there's a disconnect and they leave and they do their own thing. Right. So those are two possible scenarios there. Right. So, but cultivating that culture is really, really important. And then the whole team will start to kind of work with each other. Right. And one of the things that we've noticed is even like within the teams, like that are in the clinic, everyone's honest with each other. Right. So when you create that culture, that culture will continue to thrive even without you within those conversations. Yeah. Oh, no, I love that solution. I didn't to add on to the whole part about culture. Um, and this is something that I would, you know, for Veronica with you, um, to find a clinic where, you know, the, the, the people, uh, they, they cultivate an environment where people um, are allowed to fail or feel, feel safe to fail. That's what I would say. Mm -hmm. I think Scott Mercasio um, from my talks, you mentioned before, it's like you want to make, create an environment where everyone feels safe, right? Because when people feel safe, they, they naturally are able to become their best selves. And it's not that you're, you're letting people fail the same thing continuously. If they fail at something and they do it again, well, then you have to let them know and you have to be like, hey, this is what we do to fix it. But, you know, just being um, open to failing, let's say, at something, but then giving them the tools and giving them the support to learn from that. And I think with myself in my clinic, you know, like as a new grad, I was scared to, I was scared to try new things in the sense of with treatments and whatnot, because you know, you are working with clients and, you know, if you lose a client, then what does that mean for yourself as a practitioner? And what does that mean for the clinic? And I was really scared as to, I didn't want to lose clients because I didn't have too much in the first place. And for me, like, I didn't try new things. I didn't try doing things a certain way. And looking back now, that really hindered my growth because I kept doing the same thing and I wasn't really growing from that. So that's something that I suggest with any new grads is, you know, finding a culture, finding a clinic that, you know, supports your journey and allows you to be in a safe environment to, to grow and to, to fail. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that, you know, this is also, I remember, um, I'm blanking on the title of the book, but the five, five keys of something by Daniel Coyle, um, <laughs> for, for culture five, oh. I forgot what, I, I'm blanking on the name. I don't know why, but, you know what I'm talking about, right, John? No, I thought you were going to say the four, like, love language or something. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> was, no, no. But yeah, that's a different book. That's a different book. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely, that's, uh, no, no, you gave me that one. I still haven't read it yet. <laughs> uh, no, apparently, it's actually a really good book. Not yeah. Um, but um, no, uh, it, it was just about the first thing I remember they talked about was that circle of safety, right? You know, you create a circle of safety within your group. This isn't even, this has to go, like, this goes well beyond even just at the clinic level, right? If you have, like, let's say you're, you're a physio working, you're as the physio lead, right? Even, like, you have to also help foster that circle of safety within your team. Or, you know, you're doing even, like, group projects, right? Like, if you think about it, if we think about, like, all the high school group projects we did, one of the things we did wrong always was, um, in my groups at least, whenever someone made a mistake, everyone would be like, uh, like grilling them about it right that's creating zero circle of safety right because they're like well if i screw up they're gonna just 
dropped a hammer like right on my face. Uh, so you have to, you know, you can have feedback. That's okay. You can be honest and, and let them know of, like mistakes, et cetera, or how things could have been better. But, um, you know, creating that circle of safety is really important anywhere, like any group activity you do. And that's, again, like a very fundamental key piece of any kind of culture. And, you know, like you said, if you're getting a job or, or looking for a clinic and you want to get a vibe for their culture, it's sometimes hard to tell right away because you're not in the team, you're not in the actual on the ground floor. What you can do is ask some of the people that are there. Hey, like, how are our people as a leadership team open to some to your new ideas? Is the leadership leadership team open to working with you on like new initiatives, etc.? Like, do they allow you to express yourself within the clinic, etc.? So, you know, you can definitely ask some questions like that to try to tease out that safety component, right? The circle of safety. It's the psychological circle of safety, right? Where you're willing to put yourself out there at the risk of being wrong or the risk of looking bad quote unquote um but you do it because you feel safe that no one will judge you for your thoughts or your actions well the thing is uh, i think our attitude of failure towards failure evolves as we grow up right because when we're kids like you said uh, you say something wrong in front of the whole class and you get that anxiety right that everybody's gonna laugh at you and remember this like years from now right but uh yeah the Top performers in the world, right? They think of failure just as a learning experience, right? And everybody who has been successful and resilient have always faced failure and have always learned from it, right? So in, in a sense, nobody seeks it just to experience failure because it sucks for sure. But you do embrace it differently. It's okay to make mistakes as long as you grow. It's not okay to make mistakes if you're going to just keep doing the same stuff over and over right so yeah that's I agree. that's that attitude shift towards that's failure a, yeah that's definitely a deep topic for a full episode here on on failure and then moving forward but uh, <laughs> you know since we're kind of coming up on the last few minutes here before we end it off i wanted to ask you guys um and we'll we'll start with uh we'll start with uh, slava and we'll go around here what is your number one pro tip right now that you've you want you would give to your younger therapist self to implement in order to help provide the best value for your patients and in turn have a strong retention. For me, number one is develop your communication skills, which are body language plus the speaking part of it to make sure that patients are on the same page as you and that way you'll be able to establish that connection and uh, create a quality experience all around. Awesome. That's a really good one. How about you, Justin? I second that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think so. My my tip would be a little bit more personal to to my younger self in the sense that of, of certain things that I went through, and I I would just say just believe in yourself. And the reason I say that is because you know, go as a new grad, I I faced you know imposter syndrome, um, and. For, for a long period of time, I didn't believe in my own value. I didn't believe in myself as a practitioner. And that showed crystal clear with any outcome and any interaction I had with clients. Because if I didn't believe myself, why would someone else believe in me? If I didn't believe my own, in my own value, then no one, no one else would see my value. And there was a point in time where our treatment sessions are $65 for 20 minutes. I didn't believe that I was worth $65. I believed that I was worth something less. And so the, for, a, for that time span, 
my retention was really bad. My outcomes with getting people better was really bad. I didn't feel really good about myself. And what I would challenge new grads to think about is that you guys go through so much schooling. You guys have the skills. You guys have the, the tools to get people better. You guys are the quote unquote experts and you need to believe in that. And it's not to say that you don't need to learn anything. You, don't, you, you have everything that you already have. That's not what I'm trying to say. I think you should always be trying to learn more and be able to push your own you know, limits in terms of knowledge and skill set. But you guys have what it takes and you guys need to believe in yourself. And I think that, yeah, like I said, you know, just believe in yourself and believe in the value that you're able to provide. Awesome. Great answer. How about you, Vihatch? Um, well, seeing as I'm not, don't really have a past self, but I think like my main goal and um, like just entering practice is just like, I don't want to like stop learning, I guess. Like I don't want to be like, okay, I'm done school. Like I've made it. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I still think that I want to learn or like explore that's not taught in school. And I think that's like my main goal, like whatever that ends up being, is just like to continue to grow and like develop as a clinician. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Definitely. I think you'll, you'll, you know, implementing some of the things that even um, Slav and Justin were talking about, I think it's mm -hmm. going to really positively impact the caseload. And um, yeah, just for myself as well, what I think that, you know, what I would tell my younger self there is, to treat the human first. You know, when I first came out of school, I was treating the injury first. And now despite, you know, you do have to always analyze each individual very, um, like very specifically based on their situation. And this is something that goes back that, you know, I learned originally from uh, Daryl, where he talks about the bio cycle and the social, every person kind of comes in, they have a relative difference of which component is actually affecting their injury most you have to consider that for sure right but at the same time you do have to make sure that you're still treating the person and not the, the joint because uh, the whole person will impact their injury and their pain experience um, and we know we have all the skills the clinical skills we'll see uh, you know I came out of school thinking you gotta know a lot but you know I actually learned I actually knew uh, I knew a lot like I thought I knew a lot less than I did but I realized what I what was missing in my uh, knowledge to help with working with people is the people side of things, the people skills, right? Because I'm so focused on learning the clinical side, which is important, 100%. You have to have great clinical skills. That's, that's definitely a basic requirement. But after that, once you have that level, you have to start developing your, the human side thing, of things too. And, you know, looking at retention, and a lot of, there's a lot of psychology behind that and how people perceive their own injury, how people understand their own body, how people, what, how do they understand what the rehab journey looks like? A lot of people have never been to physio. They don't know what physio is going to be like. They think that it's like some other therapies available where it's just like one session, maybe two. But you know that there has to be a long-term approach for them because with physiotherapy, we're working on providing independence at the end of the rehab. So that means that they get to a point where they can self-manage things if it does ever even slightly uh, come back. So mm -hmm. keeping those elements in mind when you speak with um, your patients, that will, again, go back to all the things we kind of chatted about, right? When you treat the person, 
It goes back to loyalty. It goes back to the, them becoming a brand ambassador. It goes back to them having strong lifetime value and improving your retention and your case load all at once. So basic elements will bring very big results. So just keeping that in mind, and it's not like super fancy. And that's the other thing that I would tell myself is keep it very simple, keep it basic, but keep it human to human and um, show your expertise to the clinical side. Be human. That's just what it is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, team. Any last second thoughts before we, uh, we drop the mic? No, I think it was a fantastic podcast. Justin with a story almost brought a tear to my eye. That tear, I thought it was sweat just coming down the side. <laughs> yeah, your, your, your forehead's looking a little shiny. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Super hot in here. <laughs> all right, team. Um, all right, great chat. We'll chat with you guys soon. Ciao, guys. Have a good day, guys. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the PTBC podcast. Hope you enjoyed the episode today. Please check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at our website, ptbusinesscorner.com. Feel free to send us a message on social media or email us at info at ptbusinesscorner.com. See you next time.